Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps for Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. Right now, we are running a homebrew campaign in the world of Numenera by Monty Cook Games. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to help support shows like this and get access to all kinds of exclusive previews, exclusive content, video previews, and all sorts of things like that, you can do so by becoming a patron of Sly flourish the link is in the show notes below so in this campaign the characters have been attempting to thwart the rise of a super powerful entity known as the fourth emperor the fourth emperor is a an entity that exists in three worlds at the same time the physical world the world of the data sphere and the world of the outside. So it's both sort of extraplanar, physical, and exists in the data sphere. The data sphere is sort of like a super advanced cyberspace. There is... Uh, so the characters have been trying to thwart it. We actually had a large jump in the timeline, a 14-month jump forward in the timeline, which progressed all of the activities of the Fourth Emperor forward. The characters have been building a resistance against the Fourth Emperor, since the Fourth Emperor sort of has risen faster than they would have hoped, or at least for some of the characters faster than they would have hoped. It's been really interesting to mess with the, mess with the time, because we had two characters that didn't have that time jump, and then four characters that did. So it was really fun to kind of combine them back together. Really, really wild part of the campaign. And now they are building up a resistance to try to thwart the Fourth Emperor. The Fourth Emperor has these super powerful artificial super intelligences known as the, the Heralds. So the Heralds are these super foul. They, they're, they're spherical. They're usually they're giant spheres that used to be up in orbit around the planet. They've now come down to the planet. They sort of float above the planet. Very advanced technology, super intelligences. They don't really understand. They can model general human behavior, but they don't really, they lose track of specific people doing specific things because they just, they're just below their, they're just below their threshold, which is actually advantageous to the characters because the, 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 the heralds do not care. There's one herald in particular, Faradon, the first herald that they've dealt with now a couple of times. And they realize that if they want to get inside of the fourth emperor's plans they have to crack a herald they're going to have to break into a herald and sort of own it right from a hacker from hacker speak but you don't just pop into a herald right you need something more powerful you, you can't just do it as a human being a human being would just get shredded trying to get inside of the voice of a herald but a lot of human beings particularly nanos who are who are skilled at sort of manipulating the incredible detail of this if you got a bunch of nanos together they could break a herald so the characters are trying to get a bunch of nanos well luckily they know about a bunch of nanos who have been captured by the fourth emperor before by the the fourth empire in a town known as scarlet watch so there is this town called scarlet watch and in Scar Scarlet Watch used to just be like a nice normal town of people doing town things, like village stuff. They had farms and they probably did a lot of rice, uh, kind of wetland. I think it's probably going to be kind of wetlandish. And they, you know, just normal town folk doing the business. They had some advanced technology that they had scrounged and used. But what made, what made Scarlet Watch really interesting is the fact that they had a much higher than normal population of nanos that typically you might get like one in a hundred people might have an affinity for nanos for, for being a nano essentially like a wizard right ma imagine as far as the village is concerned magical talent right and normally you'd be like one in a hundred people might have this magical talent well in 
in Scarlet Watch, it was more like one in 20, right? It was significant. It wasn't everybody, but it was a lot of people, right? It was a, a much higher degree of nanos per capita than pretty much anywhere else. They, they never really paid much attention to it. They used, they used it a lot, right? They used nanos a lot to do stuff and to, to kind of make their village prosper, but they never really thought about it much, right? And they were never like, they weren't thought of as witches or anything like that. They were, they were all just people, members of society. But, but, you know, the town had more nanos. And everyone's like, oh, that's curious. Well, the fourth emperor really cared about this. The fourth empire really cared about this because nanos are critical for the fourth empire building its empire. It needs nanos. It uses nanos. It takes them, it takes their physical bodies and puts them in vats and then it connects their brains into the data sphere and it uses their mental faculties inside the data sphere to build nanites to basically build the particles that they need to do what the fourth emperor wants to do which is a bunch of different things both create creatures open up a gateway to bring itself in and change the atmosphere of the planet to support itself right among other things but it needs nanos it needs nanites and in order to create nanites, it needs nanos. And doing so, it takes a huge amount of cognitive capability and it burns them out. It kills them. It kills nanos eventually because they, they, they do it so much and so fast and so permanently that eventually they just die. They can't do it anymore. So they're like, we need, you know, so the, the fourth empire is like, we need a lot of nanos. Scarlet Watch has a lot of nanos. We're going to go there and grab them up. So they went there and they took over the village and they've started running, they have been running tests on people to figure out which ones are nanos and which ones are not, right? Latent, weird latent tests, Voigt-Kampf style tests to try to figure out if they can manipulate nanos or not. If they can, they are carted off to another location known as Amberfall, right? Amberfall is this kind of hidden, old hidden bunker, right? I think we, we, we decided what it was last time. Amberfall is sort of like an old hidden bunker and they've been putting them there and then hooking them up. See these pylons in the lower left side of the screen. They've been connecting up the nanos that they have into these to then let them start creating nanites. The group that has done this are known as Orgolians. The Orgolians are constructed humanoids that were built by the Fourth Empire. They're actually built using the same nanites that they're creating that are like soldiers, but they have envoys and they have technicians as well. These, these Orgolian uh, envoys and Orgolian technicians. So... So what the what the the whole goal of this one is that the characters have reached Scarlet Watch. This is this happened in our last in our last session. The characters decided, okay, we're going to go to Scarlet Watch. We're going to go grab ourselves some nanos, right? That's our plan. We're going to rescue them, and then we're going to ask them to join us and and use them to crack Faradon. Cool. So last time they went to uh, Scarlet Watch, they dealt with. Let's see. So I I remember I built like a whole little fun event they 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 met navro and burnham again they're old friends and so navro and burnham have gone with them to scarlet watch and they just arrived they actually received as part of their of some of the loot that they got they got a a basically a long rifle that uses it's sort of like a handheld rail gun and it, fi it uses magnetism to fire like a small steel ball at crazy, crazy velocities, half a mile distance, crazy velocities. And they saw that there were these Orgolian scouts kind of watching out of the villages and we're going to use this thing against one of the Orgolian scouts. And the problem was it's very loud that when it fires, it creates a sonic boom right on the spot. Very loud. But they had another cipher that could dampen it right it would create silence so at first they were like we're going to take a tree and we're going to cut it and bore a hole through a tree and turn it into a giant silencer a giant suppressor for this huge rail gun and I was like it's going to be like 30 feet long right and then they said no 
we're going to we'll just i have this thing that silences the area we'll silence it we'll fire it boom it'll go through and the fun little bit of storytelling that i did is i said okay this 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 ball let's start where the ball ended right which is in the mountainside you know cracks in the mountain and let's go back a step and i had each player describe something that happened as the ball went ripping through the whole village hit you know i said like it definitely hit the orgolian so that you know that's the one stop the other stop is it eventually embedded itself into the mountain but what happened along the way and it was funny stuff like there was a guy with a bunch of fish and it like ripped by and like went by the fish and like ripped the fins like right off of the fish and he's like huh and then the, I, the only one i remember another one was like these guys who have been walking along with this big glass plate and it went boom and they went and looked and there's a perfect hole like it didn't shatter the plate and like what and there's like this perfect hole where the thing went so fast it just punched the hole right through it and then all of a sudden it explodes like the, sh the thing explodes and they're like ah oh, not again right and then i forget there was like a couple of other a couple of other steps that it took and then and then it hit the or you know had the orgolian and it just punched a hole right through the orgolian and the orgolian didn't even fall the orgolian was just still standing there and at first they thought they missed and then they get closer and the orgolian's just dead sitting there with this perfect you know fist-sized hole that went right through him from this from this super super fast projectile so i think they can only fire it like once a day or something like it has some limit on the number of times they can fire it i mean it's not a limited by day i think like it it breaks if you try to use it too often so so that was that was really and now we are beginning our session with the characters heading to scarlet watch you know actually actually heading into the town so let's go to our campaign thing here. As always, I am using Notion to do my campaign planning. If you want to learn more about the tool that I use to do this campaign planning, there, is, there are links down in the show notes below for how to use Notion for this kind of thing. Also a link for the actual notebook that I'm using for Numenera. You can duplicate the template and then use it for your own campaign. I love Notion. There are lots of tools. This one is mine, but it is a, for me, a very handy tool to do uh, campaign prep. I've been now doing campaign prep for some time. So today is 22 May to two Sunday. Cool. So we start off with our eight steps. We look at the characters. Who are the characters and what's going on with them? So we have Biko. Biko is an intuitive jack who rides the lightning that is played by Pat. I don't know if there's any big hooks that I can draw. I'm trying to think of like what's a what's a cool hook. So he's a jack. Could always have like a family member who showed up here, right? You ever you ever wanna you ever wanna tie a character in, have a family member who who lives in town, right? That can be kind of interesting. Or an acquaintance or something like that. We have Cecilia, a hideous jack who wields power with precision. Cecilia is a member of a of a of a race, of a species that only lives a certain amount of time, and she is coming within the last couple of months of her life. We have Jad the Shade, played by Joe, a meddlesome Jack who exists partially out of phase. We have Juniper, a cheerful nano who possesses a shard of the sun. We have Nakia, a benef beneficent Jack who acts without consequences. And we have Samg1138L, a protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel. Jay is unfortunately not able to join us today. So the characters are sitting right outside of Scarlet Watch. And what kind of interesting event might occur? So an interesting thing about Scarlet Watch, so like, like locations right off the bat, we have Scarlet Watch. And we have Amberfall. So we have two interesting locations right off the bat. I think in Scarlet Watch, 
Uh, I also have this, like, the, the underground ruins, right? It'd be kind of neat to give this place a name, you know, the, like sunken something. Sunken what? Give it, like, a proper name. Sunken Rhea. And there is a statue, probably, like, Sunken Rhea has a statue, right? Some former goddess or nano named Rhea. I think that'd be kind of cool. I could put a, a statue in here. I've used this map before. I like this map a lot. So that gives, we want to have like the town, but then there's also like a hidden, there's sort of a hidden, you know, hidden caves underneath where they probably have a few nanos that they've managed to scrounge away and avoid, have avoid getting picked up by the Orgolians. So let's see. There is a statue to a nano patron. Goddess in Rhea, beneath the town in a cave known as Sunken, Sunken Rhea. Some rebels of Scarlet Watch hide in Sunken Rhea and have a handful of nano children. They're hiding from the Orgolians. That could be kind of cool. It's not getting me any closer to strong starts. Now, I don't want a strong start that's going to be so big that it ends up taking away a lot of time from the from from the characters actually doing their stuff. So seeing something might be cool. There's a the shift, right? So one thing I think is cool is if you look at the picture of Scarlet Watch, actually we have it in the lower left, you see how there's like weird bands where it's almost like rotating sections of it, right? There's weird you know this weird thing where it's it's almost like somebody's turning dials and it and it shifts the entire landscape i don't know what that is but we're going to call that the shift right and and it happens you know probably every 12 hours or, or, or so happens every 12 hours or so and what does it do so obviously it's optical if you look at it you can see that part of it shifts but it might be interesting if something else happened with that. Like what other, what other, you know, if you have this thing where you're like looking at this massive statue that's behind the town and all of a sudden you see what look like circular bands churning, right? And you can see it where like it shifts and another part shifts up and another part shifts up and then it sort of snaps back together again. What, what kind of happens? Like maybe there's like a, you know, maybe there's a 30 second or, or two minute sort of weird pull in time like it's not long enough to really do anything you know it's not long enough to have a long-term effect but maybe there's like a 30 there's 30 seconds where it's sort of the, the it resets itself right where everything kind of resets that might be kind of cool a temporal 30 second temporal shift and maybe they could kind of use that if they wait for that time they could use that to like run from one side of the village to the other and not be seen because it'll reset and then they don't do it there's just some weird like temporal shift Anytime you're screwing with time, though, it, it kind of, you know, it, you, there's lots of, lots of weird questions. So, yeah, the question is, does it affect the players? I think it does. Like, I don't, I don't think it affects, like, the whole village so much. I think it's just sort of like a blip, right? Where, like, you know, oh, you just, you know, everybody's just sort of snaps back and, like, a big sense of, de you know, big sense of deja vu. That's sort of, every, and everybody just kind of gets used to it. Oh yeah, that's the shift, right? The shift just happened and, you know, or everybody just, just, oh, you know, 
there's like a little, you know, they can time it and there's sort of a, a dinging event and it's like, okay, everybody just calm down for 30 seconds, right? And for 30 seconds, they don't really do anything and then bang, it shifts and then they go, okay, if you do stuff, then it sort of like resets what you did. I think that could be kind of neat. It's just like a 30 second skip back, right? I don't know what you do with that exactly. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't. I think seeing that, you know, oh, and, and something else I want to introduce, so the, the Orgolian Praetorians shifts 30 seconds, right? So, you know, so I think that that, I think that, that can work. So let's see. Valiant Os- Os- Odyssey says, do you ever find that forcing a strong star can be jarring for the players if it doesn't really fit into the game or the plot directly? No. <laughs> so forcing is a strong word right like it's you know i mean i'm not i'm starting the game right and so the start of the game is a thing happens i don't think it's exactly forcing i'm not making you know i'm i'm determining that an event occurs what's the point of adding something like this and then the bleep going into the story again so you don't know right so i don't i don't know i don't know what the story is right so the the question is if you say it's jarring you know if it doesn't if you say it doesn't fit with the game or the plot directly if you're forcing a plot now you're forcing something so what i argue is what i'm doing is throwing an interesting thing out there maybe nothing happens right now when you start with like combat or something like that you know you know again force is a strong word right but you know when you begin with combat it's like you know that you're gonna have 30 45 minutes of the game taken up with that thing that you did but usually it's still i mean i tell you and now i you know a a lot of people do it right and and i do it all the time and it's never you know it, it helps right there's a reason why the strong start is there and the strong start is there because it kicks the game into motion right and it, it makes things go forward so i tell you and i've seen the opposite which is like okay we started the game so what do you guys want to do and i was like oh what you know they rarely do i find players that leap into like oh i have things that i want to do right away it's it's usually the other way around now maybe i'm creating this situation because i'm doing strong starts and they're waiting for a strong start i don't know but i can tell you that generally speaking it moves forward also it doesn't have to be opposed to whatever the current direction of the story is i don't think this is because like i want to have orgolian praetorians i'm going to introduce them anyway might as well do the beginning and make it really interesting and i can show the shift with the orgolian praetorian essentially what you begin with is they will see an orgolian praetorian an orgolian praetorian uh, walks through the fields near the town then suddenly they all shift and see the Praetorian back where it started moving into the town again. So let's see, the shift happens every 12 hours or so. The people of Scarlet Watch typically just get a warning, a bell, and everyone stops what they're doing. And then things jump back 30 seconds. And then they keep doing what they're going to do. The shift feels like extreme deja vu. What causes the shift? No one really knows. Something inside the Scarlet, something inside the Scarlet Watcher. Something inside the Scarlet Watcher causes the shift, but nobody, no one has found out what, and they worry about screwing around with it too much. So they just let it be. Scarlet Watch 
has about five times as many nanos per capita as any other place in the steadfast. Lots of secrets. The secrets are easy today. I don't know why. Sometimes secrets are easy. The Orgolians take the nanos they discover to an old... So one thing I want to figure out, because I, I know I put it in here. I think I put it in last week's notes. Oh, look at this. A Juniper's mother is one of the nanos hooked up in Amberfall. That's cool. I'm, I'm stealing that secret. An old vault of ancient war machines. I think they were like ancient datasphere war machines, right? Known as Amberfall. I like that. I think last time I was like, why would they have all these big war machines in there? And I think like maybe they have some physical models and stuff like that. But it's actually meant it was it was a it was a vault. Amberfall was a vault built to construct Datasphere war machines for a great war in the Datasphere. Probably versus the 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 hex. So I think that that I think that will work. One, two, three. So I've got eight secrets so far. I found such a great secret in the last one. Let's take a look at the secrets. Let's take a look at the secrets that we had last time. Army of Samgees buried out in the world somewhere. They could be activated. Well, I'm not really going to worry about that. Maeve Jacobs and Priest is trying to keep the fourth emperor at bay. We did that. Maeve has an implant. Has an implant. We did do that one. And we did do that one. Never and Burham spent the last few months in the deep to avoid the troubles in Steadfast. Yep. People of Scarlet just strain propensity to nanos. Yep. Something to do with the large transfer. Orgelians took about two dozen nanos from the village of Amberfall to the to Amberfall. They have not been seen since. Yep. Fourth Emperor uses nanos for variety purchases. Forge more nanites, which take a tremendous amount of cognitive energy. They need nanos to open the door between the world and the outside where the Fourth Emperor resides. That's a good one. We're going to steal that one. Nanos can forge and create more Orgolians. They manage the tanks where the Orgolians are manufactured. Amberfall is one such forge, an Orgolian forge. Yeah, maybe. Nanos maintain the skybreakers as they convert the atmosphere to methane. Yep, Amberfall is used to join multiple nanos together to serve a single purpose. Their neural networks are meshed together, which tends to shatter their individual identities. Maybe. We might hang on to that. That's one that hasn't been exposed, and I don't know if I want it to be true. Dozen Scarlet Watch refugees have escaped in the, into live in some old tunnels below. This includes a four nano. Yeah, right, bang. Orgolian envoy. We didn't do that one, but I already got that one. Orgolian envoys are working with the town leadership to keep people under control while they were more testify more nanos. Yeah, so it's Orgolian envoys are an important one. So we got that one. So I think we got like our, our 10 secrets, right? That's pretty straightforward. Scenes, so I don't know what the, this is, this is, you know, this is sort of that heist model, right? It's reverse seven samurai. The town has already been taken over and the goal, it's, so more so than planning out a scene is building the situation so we can have scenes and situate. So we have the, the Orgolian Praetorian and the shift, right? Cool. We have... The Orgolian Praetorian in the shift. And then we have the goal, right? Find out where the Orgolians have taken the nanos of Scarlet Watch, right? That's the goal, right? That's, I mean, is there any other, whoops. Is there any other part of that goal? Do they need to make contact with anybody in the town, right? I'm not sure. It, it certainly would be more interesting if they did. Uh, 
it's probably going to be I think a, I think a thing is that like they think they've got most of them but they're still testing right and they found they found some other ones so situation and I think we covered this a little bit last time uh, if we go into Scarlet Watch we have like how many people are are where right so there are 30 Orgolians in town. One less now. It's about 29 Orgolians. Two envoys, two Orgolians. Oh, Myrmidons. I call them Praetorians, but they're Myrmidons. So that we can put in our notes. I got to change Praetorians to Myrmidons. Clean that up a bit. So we have the scenes. We have the situation, right? We have our locations. So having some NPCs, I think, is really useful. Uh, I want to introduce Cassandra. I think it'd be cool. Cass Cassandra? I'll just do Cassandra. All right. And I think we might introduce Cassandra as Junipers. She was traveling to Scarlet Watch and got picked up. She's now in Amberfall. Perfect. I think that that would be pretty cool. I think she's managed to hold her faculty. She's the, who was the guy from the Dark Tower that managed to, he's also in Hearts in Atlantis or Low Men in Yellow Coats. Ted Brodigan, a facilitator, able to keep nanos merged together into a single action, helps prevent their minds from shattering. The nano facilitator. Cassandra, the facilitator. I love giving things titles, right? So like you can see I do it here, like Cassandra, the, the, you know, the facilitator. Rosalind the, is known as Rabbit. And what's her job? Her job is Hive com comms, right? All right, perfect. The Exgate, right? Could be fun stuff. So let's look at NPCs. We have Demi. I want to bring Demi in here. Right, Demi is a contact. We also have Cassandra, but probably not now. We can invent some other. We can invent some other NPCs on the spot. It might be cool to have like Biko's estranged brother. Right. Let's take a look. Oops. Going to NPCs. Alan. We could have Alan here. Might be kind of fun. Drop that in. See how that plays out. I don't want, you know, and now I got two family. I already lost the character's name. Grr. A-L-I-N. So that's cool. So I've got my strong start. I've got scenes and situation. The scenes and situation. We have the goal. Find out uh, where the Orgolians have taken the nanos to Scarlet Watch. Reward four experience points. Right? Whoops. And then their next goal. And that's the situation. And then we have then we have the situation in Amberfall. So we have this is the situation in Scarlet Watch. I think what we'll do is we'll move the goal under here. We'll create like a little little structure. Situation in Amberfall. We have, let's see, locations. Amberfall. A dozen Orgolian soldiers, half a dozen Orgolian testers, and one overlord. All right. 
overlords are cool. So we add this to our situation here. And the goal here is to uh, rescue the Scarlet Watch Nanos. And it could be by destroying the place. I don't know how they're going to accomplish that. Reward roughly two dozen nanos and a facilitator for the hive and for XP. So that is pretty well set. The creatures lurking below the lab that the Orgolians haven't bothered with. That might be something we want to toy around with. Treasure, I like to roll on the list. But monsters, I have most of it. Because I know about, I have the Orgolians, right? It couldn't hurt. Orgolian soldiers. Let's take a look. I got my bestiaries here. I'm pretty sure Orgolians are in. They are in Discovery, page 246. Okay. And then I have other Orgolians. Let's see if I can find them. Nope. They are not in. Oh, there it is. Orgolian Tester is on page 120 of Bestiary 2. 120. Okay. And then there's one other type of Orgolian. The Envoys. Okay. It might be Bestiary 3. What is DE? Oh, what book is DE? Destiny. Great. And that's Destiny page 270. You know what? I'm pretty sure I have all of this in my in my monster, my little monster book here. My little monster, where is it here? My bestiary. I do. Look at that. I'll put all the Orgolians together so I have them handy. And there was one other. The over, Was that an overlord? No, because I think the overlord is really powerful, right? Bestiary 2, page 123. No, uh, perfect. Okay, overlord. The overlord is 123, page 123. Okay. And that was the Overlord. Now I'm making up the the Orgolian Myrmidons, and they're those guys are level six, right? So I think that that is pretty good. And we wanted to look at what other critters are running around. What other critters are running around the Amberfall, right? Things that the come on, go to the top there. All right. Oh. I'm hurting my, my browser here. So let's go to the random tables. Do, do, do. And we are going to exploring ruins. So first thing, let's get our D100s here. Grab a D20. Is it ruins table A or two? In, okay, so ruins. They're definitely in ruins. Table A or table B. Even for, let's see, odd for table A, even for table B. All right, even. It's table B. 71. Timeline cadaver. What the F is that? <laughs> it's from this book, apparently. Timeline Cadaver is from Bestiary 3, page 150. A significant event presence alters the time stream. This is pretty cool. I like this. So, Timeline Cadavers. <laughs> of course, I forget the page number. Page 150. So, that, that, that fits the blip, right? Every so often, I tell you, you roll random stuff, and the random stuff comes together with things that you uh, did. So, the idea that Scarlet Watch has this weird time problem, a timeline cadaver would be would make sense. 
So when a significant event presents its alters in the universe, a few survivors may be disjointed in time and dimension, continuing on as timeline cadavers. Sometimes this occurs because inexperienced time travel usually happens when exceptional individuals make critical decisions that affect a powerful entity of their lives, thousands of people. Timeline cadavers are survivors from an offshoot of the original time stream or a dying parallel universe who seek out their counterparts in the existing time stream or universe. Their hope is that by killing these counterparts, either they'll reverse what invalidated their home timeline. So what if they've, and these are level five, they could probably do three or four of these things. What if it was of the, the, the groups that, that jumped forward, right? So we had this group that jumped forward 14 months. What if there are original versions that lived the 14 months? Uh, what if they, what if they came out? So I think timeline cadavers are awesome. I love that idea. I love that idea a lot. So, dude. But let's roll something else too. Table A or table B, odd for table A. Uh, odd it is. And then 35. Akudit. What is what is that? Is that is DE is destiny? Destiny. All right. Numenera. Destiny is the one I did not load up and of course i did not pay attention to the page number destiny 258 explorers salvaging ciphers artifacts and idioms sometimes store up entities that behave erratically but aren't immediately dangerous some observe flee or ignore explorers who ignore them in turn a few such as the kudit seem determined to offer their aid once communication becomes possible levitating sphere not quite as large as a human head made of synth and crystal Images in light play across the surface, sometimes images of a face, that never the same face, other uh, times of random odd scenes or objects. Sounds also constantly trickle from the kudit, tinkling or booming, cacophonous or melod melodic. Follows people around. So, yeah, sure. I have a bunch of kudits. And of course, I forgot the page number already. This is Discover uh, Destiny, page 258. Cool. All right, so I got a bunch of monsters. I'm good on monsters. It really is interesting. I, I, here's a, here's a, a, a thought, right? And I think, well, let's take a look, and then I'll have a big thought. Yeah, I got strong start. I feel good about that. I feel good. I got good situations set up. I've got a good pile of secrets and clues. Some really fun, like, situation-based adventuring, which is my favorite kind of adventuring. I got some cool, fantastic locations. I'll have to fill it out. I guess Amberfall could be more filled out with detail. I don't know if they're going to get to Amberfall yet. We'll, we'll find out. And like what kind of stuff is here in Amberfall. I could really, I could really use like, you know, in, you know, stuff in Amberfall, you know, like what kinds of things do they find here, right? What are the, you know, so there'd be like relics of a data sphere war, ruined hex monuments, right? They've destroyed some, some things from the hex. I think that would be pretty cool. Nano connection tubes, the overlords communication gateway, which is probably a data sphere node, right? Vertex, Vertus. You know, as I look at these chambers, oh, like acidic runoff from huge dead batteries that could be cool right that's sort of here in the lower left area what else what other things could we fill these chambers with statues of data sphere hunters 
It's pretty cool. It'll be grim, but I think a nano, what is it called? Not a cadaver. Uh, you have a whole bunch of dead people in a big pile. <sighs> I forget what it's called. Somebody help me out. It's like when you have a big pit full of dead people. We'll call it a mass grave. It's not a mass grave, though. Charnel pit, right? Some of the nanos didn't make it. They're dead. Any other kind of other fun things to fill this out with? Let's pull up a list. Let's go make a... Patrons of Sly Flourish have access to uh, a couple of books, including uh, Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets Volume 2. Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 is basically all the stuff found in the Lazy DM's Companion. Uncovered Secrets Volume 2 is a bunch of stuff similar to what you would find in the Companion uh, that isn't in the Companion, stuff that either came out later or stuff that was cut from the original book. One of those is a Science Fantasy Generator. Uh, Science Fantasy Generator I built specifically for my Numenera game. And I'm going to do some rolling on it right now. So uh, we want to have, let's see, I like to do, let's get a bunch of 20s here. We're going to do a monument, condition, description, and origin, right? So we roll our dice. We've got 14, 20, 1, and 5. So 14 is a furnace. Very cool. 20 is a gravity-defying furnace. Okay. That broken gravity-defining furnace of avian origin i don't really like that very much i don't know if i need the origin so much so gravity defying oh let's see let's go back to locations broken gravity furnace for what right a nano forge like a broken nano forge might be kind of cool uh, let's roll again 26 15 and 1 20 a megalith I've done megaliths before. Let's do a cylinder. We'll just jump up one to cylinder. Six, a thunderous cylinder. Uh, Fifteen, cracked thunderous cylinder. A giant, giant cracked thunderous cylinder. That's cool. What was it for? What did this thing do? Why would you have a giant thunderous cracked cylinder? That was connected, that's in a, uh, uh, a vault that holds weapons, a data sphere vault. It could be like a, like a memory, like a massive memory crystal, massive cracked memory crystal. You know, it's like a big set of hard drives blew up. That's fun. Let's do one more. Four, 20, 18, and two. Four is a floating cube. I like it already. Very Numenera-like. 20 is a gravity-defying. It's already floating. Let's roll that one again. I rolled 20 again. Oh my god, I rolled 23 times on the same die. That's like 1 in 40 chance. Now I rolled a 19. Uh, a transparent floating cube. 18, burning. Yikes. And cybernetic. So, a cybernetic, burning, transparent floating cube this could be an entity core right transparent floating cubes can make for a very interesting jump puzzle it could it might also be a role play opportunity so what if there's an entity what if they had an ai here right that's in this floating cube that's where the ai was stored and we'll make a new npc for this the, the shattered ai right 
and we'll give it a name. My my list thing here, I threw a bunch of names in the bottom. I think I've done Aries before. Cosmo, Osric, Janus. Janus is cool. Isn't Janus the two-faced Greek god? Right? So that might be fun. Janus, the shattered AI core of Amberfall. Let's pop open. Let's pop open uh, Voices from the Data Sphere. And let's see if we can find a picture of what Janus looks like. Just looking for a cool picture of an entity. Very old, right? Thousands of years old. Maybe, maybe it even like has some memories of the the hive. That's kind of cool. Yeah. A weird starscape, maybe. Some great pictures in here. We'll go with that starscape because it's all shattered. This is a map, but it can it can serve as a face too. Shattered AI core of Amberfall. Cool. All right. There we go. All right. So I think we have hit the time. So I think we are all set. Uh, I will take a few minutes because I, I was going to do a, th a thought. And the thought has to do with how easy it is to build a monster in Numenera. This idea that like you pick a number. So I'm, I'm coming up with the Orgolian Myrmidons. And all I did was say they're level six. There's no stat block anywhere in any book. I don't need a stat block. And I can build it all from that. And there's an interesting connection to D&D. I was talking to a friend of mine on Friday about monsters in the monster manual. We're going to be talking about this in the show too. Monsters in the monster manual compared to like how MCDM is going to be doing their monsters for flea mortals. And his point was like the goblins and free mortals are far more interesting than the goblins in the monster manual, which mechanically is true, right? If you look at the goblins that are in, in that are in flea mortals, they're definitely more, they definitely mechanically have more going on than the goblins do in the monster manual. And that's generally seen as a, that it's better, right? And he said, like, all the goblins have is a, sword, a short sword attack. And I was like, you know, there's an infinite number of short swords, right? An infinite variety of short swords. We can call those short swords anything we want, right? They could be the bone of a crocodile, right? The, the jawbone of a crocodile, right? With, like, weird hair stuck into teeth. They could be, like, a carved piece of wood with runes in it. They could be all kinds of things, right? So, you know, we, if you think about, like, Gamma World and 4th Edition, Gamma World and 4th Edition had four weapon types, a heavy weapon, Heavy, heavy two-hander, light two-hander, heavy one-hander, light one-hander, something like that, right? They had very few weapon types, and you had to describe what they were. And we can do the same thing with monsters, right? You don't have to have, like, you, you have an infinite number of customizable goblins that just use the goblin stat block from the monster manual. I think it takes playing a game like Numenera to really understand that, because, like, you go, like, level six, how do I, a level six Orgolian Myrmidon, how do I even describe that? Well, you get to make it up, right? You get to stretch and be like, what is it? And I'm like, it's a, a giant cybernetic gorilla, right? So I can, from giant cybernetic gorilla, I can go with a lot of different things. But it's really interesting that you get to decide all this stuff that you're, the human brain of a dungeon master is like super, super powerful and useful. And the idea that it has to stay with mechanics, I think is not, you know, correct. I think we can flavor things so many different ways it's a different style. Some people like the crunchy mechanics and I'm not against it, right? Like I'm, I'm certainly going to be using MCDM monsters when I'm excited for flea mortals, but you, you're not, you're not stuck to what it says on the page. If it says short sword, you can make that whatever you want, 
right? You don't even have to stick with a short sword, but there's also a ton of different kinds of short swords. Flavor can make every single monster unique. If a monster feels boring to you, you get to fix it and you get to fix it in flavor, right? You, not everything needs to be tied to mechanics. We're going to talk about more about that on the show today, but I think it takes the idea of like seeing a game where the monsters are literally just a single number, a single digit number. And then turning that into something that's evocative and rich and cool and, and narratively interesting. I think like it's inter- like a game like Numenera can really change your brain's behavior when it comes to stuff like that, right? It, it, it means because you, ha- you have to have flavor. There's no way you can make it interesting if you don't give it flavor. So when you, when you have a game that's that abstract... It, you know, then you can take that abstraction and you can wrap it to everything. That's where like reskinning monsters comes in. You know, there's like four different kinds of ogres, right? But like, did I really need four new stat blocks for ogres? No, I can say that they can throw rocks or that they have a catapult on their back, right? So I think, you know, I think that that's something that we can all work on. I don't know. It's a thought that I had. It's something that I've learned, right? I, it, it, this, is, this is not something where like, I, I've always known this, right? No, I didn't know. And I, I played with it. Right. And I had to figure it out. So that was interesting. Anyway, that's kind of my final thought about it. It's like when you have a game where the monsters are this abstract, it, it, it makes you fill it in with narrative. And you can take that same that same skill of filling things in with narrative and you apply it to the most basic stat blocks that you can imagine. It's one of the reasons why I love the giant stat blocks in the monster manual. They're straightforward. Mechanically, they're really easy to run. They also hit really hard, but I can flavor them so many different ways. So just a thought. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for hanging out for today's Lazy GM Prep Show. If you enjoyed this show, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, by supporting me directly on Patreon, by subscribing to my videos, or picking up any of my books. All the links for that are in the show notes below. Thank you all very much. Have a great day, and get out there and play an RPG.